Hey awesome, yeah, I'm talking to you. I know you're ready to stop falling into diet culture traps and finally put together a realistic plan on how to boost your energy. You might feel stuck because you can't quite kick the chocolate habit. The whole body love thing isn't getting the job done. Or maybe you're at an impasse because you are pushing it in the gym, but you can't figure out how and what to eat. How many times have you Googled best diet and found that the latest trend has failed you? Hey girl, I'm Jess registered dietitian, wife, mama, and total science and nutrition research junkie. I too used to be stuck in the cycle of insecurity and never feeling like my body was good enough. Then I tried to fix it with food only to end up right back where I started. I did some really hard work. I found food freedom, but then I was confused on how to eat healthy and get fit without falling back into diet culture crazy. I wish someone would have taught me the difference between discipline and obsession. I wanted to be the healthiest version of myself by balancing healthy eating with food freedom. Like how do I actually eat healthy, get fit, and have donuts with my kids? It wasn't until I figured out this awesome balance between discipline and permission, the art of intentional eating with sprinkles of flexibility. The empowered eating model was born. Here on the show, we nix diet culture while creating values-based health goals. We reconnect with how our body responds to food through biofeedback, all the while figuring out a plan on how to get healthy and fit without sacrificing the most meaningful parts of life. Sustainability doesn't mean never eating your favorite foods again. I mean, pizza is life, right? <laughs> we are here to finally not just feel comfortable, but confident in our body. I am so excited to fuel your awesome with empowered eating. Head on over to JessBrownRD.com and grab my three steps to empowered eating guide totally free. Or hop onto my e-course, Food Foundations, to get the step-by-step deets on how I got here. All right, you ready to take your inner awesome to the next level? So grab that cup of coffee, lace up those running shoes, because girl, it's time to go. Well, hey there, friends. I am so excited today. I have a new friend of mine, Jenna Waite. She is a fellow dietitian, and we're going to be having a really interesting conversation today about some hot topics. We're going to be unpacking what it's like to be not only a person in a larger body, but a person in a larger body in the health industry. So I'm really excited for this conversation today, Jenna. Just some background on her. She's a mom, a harpist. She's also a podcast host, and she's a committed follower of Christ. Jenna loves helping fellow faith-led moms feel better and have more energy by creating simple, sustainable habits that are designed around individual lives and preferences. She wants all women to experience the joy of ditching diet mentality, throwing out the bathroom scale, and feeling in control around food, which can I get like an amen to that? Who doesn't (laughs) want that? Jenna, I am so excited you're here today, and we're going to be talking more about some of the things you love to talk about, which is this dreaming of a weight stigma-free world, a world that's free of body objectification and messages that tell women they need to look a certain way to be healthy, worthy, respected, and loved. Welcome to the show, Jenna. Oh, thank you so much, Jess. I am so excited to be here. Now, we are going to be talking, like I said, about some of these hot topics of being in a bigger body and how to feel comfortable in that in a fat phobic world. We're also going to pull a little bit on like the role faith has played in your journey and what that's looked like for you. Now, before we dive into all the deeper stuff, I always like to ask my dietitian friends, um, what is your favorite food fact? Like what's the one that you go to and think, gosh, that is such a cool fact about food. Well, it's, uh, it's, that's a hard one. I don't have a lot of food facts. I have a fun cooking fact though, that has to do with food. If you're up for that. Yeah, let's hear it. 
So for years and years, I was cooking corn wrong. I learned a couple of years ago how to cook corn. Well, so for most vegetables and uh, pasta and rice, things that you boil, then it's a good idea to add salt to the water. You probably know it helps add flavor and it retains nutrients and has some great things. So I was doing that with my corn forever and I could not figure out why my corn was always so tough. And I learned you're actually supposed to add sugar or milk to your water while you're boiling, boiling corn and not salt because the salt actually with the calcium in it toughens the corn. So my corn has been so much more delicious ever since I learned that little fact. Like how much do you put in? Oh gosh. I just grab a small pinch. Well, probably a large pinchful, small handful and throw it in the water. Of sugar and... or milk or I've... both? Yeah. I actually just do sugar, but I've heard milk actually tenderizes it and brings out the sweetness. So I haven't tried the milk yet, but the sugar. Oh, that is so cool. It's been great. Yeah. So can try that one next time you cook corn on the cob. I love that. That's like from the, back in our food science days yeah. and all the labs that we had to take in high, in, uh, in high school, college. <laughs> oh yes. Okay. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that. You have now changed corn in my family from <laughs> this point forward. All right. So I do want to shift over Jenna and start talking Talking. We're going to just dive right in to some of this deeper stuff. So you've been a dietitian for, you said seven years now, right? Oh, since 2007. So oh, whatever that makes it. Yeah. Oh a lot of years, 15, we, something around there. We can do math, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you said you have been in a larger body and I want to just hear from your perspective. What is it like to be an RD in a larger body? Yeah, it's actually interesting. I, I see it as a pro and a con. So the pro is I really can relate to women who struggle with body image and struggle with the feeling of I'm doing everything quote right, or, you know, I'm doing all these things for my health and just my body is not changing for whatever reason. And so I am grateful that I can empathize and really relate on a personal level. Um, on the con side though, you know, I think we'll talk a little more about this thin privilege that we have in this society and just the fact that people judge us, people, um, women especially, based on the size of their body. And they just make assumptions right off the bat. They assume that we don't take care of ourselves, uh, we're lazy, we're not disciplined, all these things. And so I'm constantly concerned with if I ever put an image of myself out, that's like mm -hmm. my entire body out on social media, I just have this constant worry of being called out as a hypocrite or as, you know, why don't you take your own advice? Things like comments like that. And it's just sad. It's sad that people just judge so quickly based on somebody's body size without really understanding what their lifestyle is actually like and getting to know the facts, which are weight and health do not go hand in hand as much as society makes it seem like they do. Yes. Oh, so true. I mean, I, I like that you see that there's both positives and negatives to it, which I, I definitely can see some of the positives as well, right? That people mm -hmm. do feel comfortable being in a smaller body. I think there is an obstacle when I work with some folks, you know, mm -hmm. I'll never forget actually, Jenna, the first time it was my very first day on the job as a dietitian, I was working in a bariatric clinic. Okay. I walked out and mind you, I was like 21 years old too, right? Like I'm super young. <laughs> I walked out and I get my client and she looks me up and down and goes, are you kidding me? Oh, 
<laughs> and that's what she said to me. And I was like, oh gosh, I have a lot to learn. Like I have a lot to learn on how to break down some of these barriers because there is that. And I think, you know, looking back now, I understand, I think her resistance to me was because she has been judged. And, you know, I think there's some assumptions we all make about each other in body size. And I've always been petite. And I think sometimes people think like I've earned that. And maybe in some ways I've worked hard, but it's also just my genetics in all yeah. reality. So anyways, I think that's yeah. amazing that there is some positive, but on this flip side, like the judgment and the assumptions people make, you know, tell me a little bit more about how you've you know, had to work through that specifically in the health field. Yeah. Well, so my story is, um, I was large as a child, got all sorts of messages that my you know body was wrong and there was something wrong with it and needed to be shrunk. And so I carried that with me for most of my life. Um, I started heading down the path of an eating, eating disorder in my early twenties. Thankfully I got into the dietetics program at my university right around that same time. And I was able to get a, a much more healthy relationship with food during that time. So I never got super deep into the eating disorder, but I, I definitely um, was on that path. And as I started having kids and um, my body changed even more with, with that. And so after I graduated, I started practicing as a dietitian and I was in a pretty average size body at that site at that point. So I don't feel like there was a whole lot of judgment um, I worked at WIC and worked there for a few years. And then I started having kids and I wanted to take some time off to have those kids. And I intended on coming back to the profession after my kids were all in school. And several, about maybe 10 years ago, um, our family was having kind of some financial difficulties. And so I was playing around with some ideas of how I could bring in more money and help my husband out for a little while just during that time. And my sister at the time said, well, Jenna, you're a dietitian. Why don't you go get a job again as a dietitian? But I had had four kids up to that point and my body had, had grown, um, had become larger. And I didn't tell her this, but in my head, I said, well, I'm fat. Like I can't like that oh, just was wow. off the table for me. Like I did not even think it was possible for me to go work as a dietitian again because of the size of my body. So that was before my whole journey, you know, into um, body acceptance and health at every size and all that. Um, and so that was my mindset then. And then um, fast forward to where I, my, I had my last child and I did want to get back into work. Thankfully, at that point, I had had this and we'll probably talk about this later. It was kind of my aha moment with God that brought me to the realization that, no, I have a lot of good to do in the world. Um, I definitely have a place in the healthcare industry as somebody in a bigger body. And that just has changed my life. And I'm so grateful for that because I just probably would never would have come back if I hadn't had that. Wow. That's the pendulum swung real quick in your story for me. <laughs> Cause I went like, okay, first of all, four kids, having four kids and your body being able to go through that and just is amazing. I'm from a family of four and I look at my mama who you know, had four kids and, and so much respect for, I only have two. And that was like plenty for me. It's a lot. Two's a lot too. Two's a lot, but four is just that next level of amazing. And so 
Oh, well, I actually had one more after that. So what? I have, I have five total. I know I'm crazy. <laughs> amazing. No, you're amazing. When I hear that, like I heard the four kids, I thought, gosh, like how amazing your body is and what yes. a blessing, but how sad then that the, our culture could conditioned you to go, well, I can't go back to work because of this. Yes. When being a dietitian in reality, most of our jobs is our brain. This aha yeah. moment that you had um, with your faith. Tell me a little bit yes. more about what provided that transition for you. Yeah. So it was shortly after I had my fifth child and I was the biggest I'd ever been. And, you know, granted, I had just had a baby and I wasn't giving myself much grace there, but I was standing in the bathroom one day, just completely beating myself up. Um, I get a little emotional. Sorry. <laughs> um <clears throat> just, you know, railing into me, how could I let myself get this big? And, and <clears throat> I had a, such a clear, distinct moment, which is um, where I felt like God was directly speaking to me. And it felt like a voice in my head also just pierced my heart. So it was kind of the combination of the head and the heart. And two messages came into my head. And the first one was, your body is amazing. And just like you said, I thought, <clears throat> oh my goodness, I just had this fifth child. <laughs> like, look at what my body has allowed me to do to carry and to raise these kids and care for these kids. Like, that's amazing. My body has done so much for me and I was being so ungrateful for it. <clears throat> and the second thought that came into my head was you're focused on the wrong thing. And so that one I had to kind of sit with for a while. I realized that that meant focusing on my weight and my body size was not serving me. It had never served me <laughs> my whole life. I was somebody that weighed myself all the time. I could tell you how much I weighed at any point in my life, <laughs> basically. And focusing on that number and the size of my body was just not serving me. And it wasn't serving my health. Mm -hmm. And I, at that point in my life too, I realized that there were things I could be doing different health-wise um, I had, you know, put myself on the back burner. My kids were the priority. I wasn't exercise, exercising as much as I had in my earlier years. And I wasn't feeding myself regularly throughout the day. There were things that, that I could be doing better for my health, but because I had tied my health and my weight so closely, then the weight was the focus and it was preventing me from really just diving into my behaviors and my habits and the things that actually mattered for my health and weight was not the thing that actually mattered for my health. Mm -hmm. So that was the moment when I just said, okay, I'm done. I'm done weighing myself. I'm done beating myself up. I'm going to start being grateful for my body. I'm going to start treating it with love because I want it to be healthy and feel good. And not because I want to fit societal standards or, you know, try to mold it into a shape that it just doesn't want to be. And so that was kind of when my, my whole journey with intuitive eating and health at every size and all that began. Wow. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm getting chills hearing you tell this and what I think is really amazing is the order in which you heard those messages. So like the first one is your body is amazing. And then you said the second one that you're focused on the wrong thing. That one took you a while to, to take in and run with. And what I think is so interesting about that, Jenna, is most people, at least when I work with people that are working on body acceptance, wherever they're at, right. Regardless of what the weight is, it's like when we're working on body acceptance, it's almost like they're afraid to acknowledge that first one, that your body is amazing. Cause it, it it's like, mm -hmm. then you've settled, then you've given up. And yet 
if you hadn't received those messages in that order, you never could have gotten to this place of, well, now how do I take care of myself? Because my body is amazing where it's at. Now I actually can treat it with love and respect instead of trying to beat it up all the time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And as I got into my journey, I just realized, you know, we are conditioned in our society to believe it's just a matter of willpower and motivation. And if you just do these things, then your body will be a certain size. And I just, as I got into it, I realized like there's so much more to somebody's mm-hmm. weight. And I think I'd always known that because in my earlier years, I ran marathons. I was pretty extreme in my exercise and my diet. And I was always, I was never very thin. Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, and like I said, as a child, I was larger, whatever reason, my body just wants to be on the larger size. And, and I'm what would be considered small fat. So, um, I, I have some thin privilege there as well, where I'm not, I can still fit in seats and things like that. And so I've never experienced a body or a life in a a very large body, but certainly larger than society says it should be to be beautiful and worthy and, and all mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think I just realized like, I just need in, in that moment, I, it was literally like I was waving the white flag. <laughs> like wow. I just decided, you know, I felt like I was at war with my body all those years and it wasn't constant. I mean, sometimes I would just not even think about it, but I never felt at peace with just how it wanted to be. And so at that moment, I just raised the white flag and I just said, body, like you have permission to be whatever size you want to be. I am going to love you. I'm going to take care of you. And it's not to say I'm going to love everything about my body and everything about how I look. And it's not to say I still have days, don't still have days that I wish it was smaller because of the world we live in. That's basically Mm -hmm. the only reason because I feel great. I have energy all the things that I are really important with my health I have. And so again, I, all these years, I thought it was the weight and it wasn't the weight. It was the lifestyle. Yeah. Oh, now you're making me cry. (laughs) (laughs) That's so beautiful. I mean, what a gift to be able to come to that and to rise above the cultural pressures and the cultural definitions of what a body should look like. I'm just, I'm so grateful you came there. (laughs) Oh, Oh, me too. Thank you. So I want to unpack some of these words because I think, you know, they're words that we hear kind of on social media, but I want to really give them some definition and context. Um, so the words fat phobia and thin privilege, um, Let's start with fat phobia. What is that word to you? And how do you describe it to the people that you work with? Yeah, I've heard it described in different ways. Some people use it to say they're afraid of eating fat. Um, But I think the way that generally it's used is the fear of fat, the fear of becoming fat yourself or the fear of other fat people. And that was definitely where I was, you know, my whole life. I was fat phobic, mostly for myself, like other people I could have grace for, but for myself, the, the idea of being fat or having extra fat on my body was just, uh, something that was really scary for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can probably guess where those messages come from. We've got ever since we're babies, toddlers, we get messages sent to us, what it means to be fat, what it means to be thin, um, But the problem is this pathological fear of fatness is that 
it results in the fear and the hatred, the stigmatization, and even the violence of people in large bodies. It has really just led to extreme hatred and judging. And then people in large bodies, that results in eating disorders and Mm -hmm. extreme diets and doing whatever we can to shrink our bodies to avoid that fat phobia that's coming at us. So it it hurts people on both ends. Absolutely. Well, and it, it teaches people that like the worst thing you can be is fat, you know, and you've probably seen this in your work, but I work with a lot of parents that when we're working on recovering, helping their daughters or sons recover from an eating disorder, like all is cool and groovy until they start gaining weight. And when they start gaining weight, it's like the parents are calling me, emailing me saying, Jess, but they're gaining weight. And I'm like, yes, but they're actually eating and they're healthy and they're healing their relationship with food. But it's almost like the parents have been conditioned to think like, yeah, but if they become fat, that's the worst thing they could be. And I like to challenge that. Like, is it, is it really like, would you, what if you're, you know, and I just, I think that's where, to me, when I think of fat phobia, that's kind of where my brain goes is this thought that like, that is, you can be anything in the world, but you can't be fat. Yes, exactly. And that be, that's because of the stigmatization. If mm-hmm. if we just saw all bodies as neutral and size, there wasn't a better size mm-hmm. than another, then we wouldn't have this fear of fat. Same thing. I have a sister-in-law who remembers as a child, she thought I would rather be dead than fat. Mm. Oh my gosh. And just, I know how sad that, and she struggled with food and body image for years and we're working together, but just that that's where we've come to, that Mm -hmm. that is like one of the worst things in the world to be. And again, it's because of the way we talk about and treat and think about people in large bodies and Mm -hmm. the judgments. Yeah. And I will say, I'll never forget in, in my um, undergrad, we had to take a, I forget what it was called. It it was one of the fat phobic um, questionnaires where you can assess your own fat phobia. Mm, And I had never heard of it. Yes. It was so interesting. I took the test and ooh, I was convicted. I mean, I had a lot of those assumptions about people in larger bodies, like the words you had said, like lazy, undisciplined. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hadn't even realized it. And one of yes. the things I'm really grateful for in this career field is I have had the privilege of sitting across from so many people in so many different body types that there's like, there's not even a positive, like it doesn't even connect in my mind anymore. Like mm-hmm. body size and health does not connect because I've seen so many variations of body sizes in different forms of health. Like I've seen people walk in that like, honestly are models. I've worked with models that are glorified on how beautiful they are, how healthy and they have the healthy glow. And they are some of the sickest people I have ever known, yes. you know, mentally and physically <laughs> they yes. have stress fractures, their irons low, they don't have a yeah. period. And then on the flip side, I've seen people in larger bodies that would, you know, be considered quote fat and they're climbing mountains. They're happy. They're married. They're in great relationships. They have much better health than some of these other folks in smaller bodies. So I think to me, that's one of my favorite parts about our field is it's allowed me that perspective to see that. So it doesn't connect to my mind at all anymore, but I know, you know, people outside of our field obviously don't get that, which is why I'm glad we're having this conversation. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about thin privilege too, and this word in particular, and this one I'm excited to unpack because I know personally for me, when I first heard it, I had some resistance to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when I first heard the word thin privilege, I thought, well, 
Like, are you saying that I don't deserve to, you know, be, have pride in my body because I'm thin, you know, I had like some of these assumptions, but that's not what it means. So what, <laughs> how do you describe thin privilege, Jenna? And what's your take on this, um, this phrase? Yeah, it actually can mean a couple different things, I think. Um, in one way, it means that we live in a, a society that values thinness and that is built for thin people. So seats on an airplane or in a movie theater, um, bathroom stalls, si- clothes, the sizing of clothes in most clothing stores, things like that are built for thin people. And so we inherently have privilege there because we can go through this world, navigate the world just comfortably and normally. We don't have to think about trying to get accommodations for our body size. And that's what I was saying. I have that thin privilege. I don't have to call an airline and say, do you have any seats that will fit me? I can just fly wherever I want to in the world without having to worry about that. So our our world is definitely built with thin people in mind and it is built for the comfort of thin people. So that's one definition or area of thin privilege. Another one is that we've talked about just society grants us positive assumptions about our body, our eating, our health, um, what our lifestyle must be like, what we must be like as, as people based on whether you're thin or you're fat and whether those things are actually true or not. Like you said, like you can look at a person who's thin and just assume that they are eating well and exercising and have such great health. And then vice versa, you can look at somebody who's in a large body and assume all the opposite things. And neither of those, you know, could be true. And so that is thin privilege as well. Just you're granted certain assumptions based on the size of your body if you're thin. And so generally that leads to more promotions at work, because if you're undisciplined and lazy, then you're not going to get promoted. And if you're, you know, a hard worker because you're thin, then you're going to get promoted more. You're going to make more money. Um, you're not going to get harassed as much. So that's well, it's a cycle that feeds itself too, right? Like if people are already making assumptions about you and whether good or bad, like that feeds your own self-confidence and you're like, you start yes. to believe those. Exactly. And like you said, it is hard because there is stigma. I mean, people, some thin people, as you've talked about, do work hard and do um, earn, quote, earn their promotions and things. It's not to say that that's the only mm-hmm. reason somebody is being promoted because of the size of their body. And I think that's what you were talking about, the resistance mm-hmm. in, well, but I work, and I've heard that too, like I work out every day and I eat really well and that's why I'm thin. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, good for you. Like, yes, like you are doing certain things and certainly food and movement does play a role in body size in a lot of instances but not in every case. And yeah, just not acknowledging that. Yes, but there's also genetics and family history and, totally. you know, medications and totally all these other things that are playing a role as well. Absolutely. Well, and I think about this a lot in my own career. So I'm a sports dietitian. And one of the things that I, I've had many people come to me and say, oh, you're a sports dietitian and you have the gnarliest legs. Like I just have <laughs> shredded legs. And part of me is like, thank you. I do a lot of squats. I do a lot of lunges. I love me some heavy weights. And at the same time, like my genetics are built to have muscular legs. My mom mm-hmm. 
who she would always say she's in a fluffier body. <laughs> she <laughs> is not someone who likes to work out, but she has ripped calves. So it's like that woman, I don't remember the last time she picked up weight, but her calves look like she's done some serious <laughs> calf work. And so all that That's to say, awesome. it is awesome. But like all that to say, you know, some of it, when people come up to me and say that, like, Jess, how do you get your legs or what do you do? I'm always like, well, I, you know, on the one hand, I do, do this. I do do this. But on the other hand, I'm also programmed to be that way. So don't think if you come to me that I'm going to be able to make your legs look like mine. And I think that's where some of the thin privilege is people make assumptions about me and mm-hmm. my legs and my, my abilities as a sports dietitian. <laughs> when really <laughs> it's like, well, this is just genetics. It's just what I was gifted, you know? But yeah. I think, you know, the, the privilege piece and where I really did wrap my head around thin privilege and let go of that resistance was I had a client one time tell me this. She said, Jess, you've never walked in or have you ever walked into a fast food establishment and had people look at you weird? I I even looked at her weird when she said that. And I was like, no, why would someone look (laughs) at you weird? Yeah. Like it didn't cross my mind. And she said, that's because you're in a smaller body. If you were in a larger body and you walked into a fast food establishment, people would be looking at you like you shouldn't be here and looking at what you're eating, saying that's why you look the way you look. Yes. And ma- and exactly. that ooh, hit me. I was like, oh man. Okay. So some of these things, which who doesn't need a fast food establishment here and there, right? We're all busy. <laughs> We've got like, exactly. I feed my kids McDonald's, but I've never <sighs> had to worry about being judged about taking my yeah. kids to McDonald's. And yeah. that to me is thin privilege. Definitely. Yeah. It's funny because my, I guess, passion about this topic began as a teenager without really realizing that it even was a thing back then. It was the 90s and we didn't have things like um, help at every size. And Well, I think it did exist, but it wasn't, you know, it's a lot more it wasn't popular big. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but I remember because I was, you know, I mentioned I was large as a child, but I worked worked quote really hard to at least get my body to a normal size. It was never small, but at least I stopped getting made fun of and bullied. And, um, well, I was never really bullied, but I had lots of comments about my body. And so Mm -hmm. I finally was able to get it to a a size where it was more socially acceptable. And I started getting treated differently. Oh wow! And that made me like, you would think that would make me happy, but it actually made me really mad (laughs) because I thought I am the same person as I was two years ago. You know, I just have a slightly smaller body. Like, why are you treating me differently? And so it's funny in college, one of my first classes as a freshman was public speaking and they had us do a a paper on, I don't even remember what, but I did it on basically on weight bias. And I said, and I got up there and I was so passionate and everybody just looked at me like, you are crazy. <laughs> they were just staring at me like I was insane. But I'm like, what if you walk, if you walked into a store and you saw a thin person eating a donut and a large person eating a donut, what are the thoughts that would come to your mind? You probably wouldn't even think about the thin person. You'd have all sorts of assumptions. And so the, even back then as a young 20 year old, I just could see this, just the, the injustices and the the judgments that just were being so unfairly made on people in large bodies. Wow. So good. So good. Um, so this passion that started at an early age, like how, how crazy that experience where you were irritated, right? Like don't treat me different. Um, that, I think that speaks to some of the obstacles, like you have to face on a daily basis because it is constantly reinforced in our culture that, you know, you're more worthy 
when you're in a smaller body or your body fits this definition or this mold that we think it should fit in. Yeah. So yeah. Let me ask you this, Jenna, where are you at now with your relationship with your body? Cause you've got this incredible history, this, like, I, I'm so grateful to hear your story, but where does that leave you now with your body? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, like I said, I just feel so much more at peace. I just am allowing it to be, <laughs> I am, I, I'm not going to say like, I love everything about it. And I look in the mirror and I'm just like, Oh, I'm, you know, it's exactly how I want it to look, but that's no longer my goal. That used to be my goal. I used to think I needed that. I needed to, to feel that way, to be happy. Um, you know, be- feeling beautiful is an interesting thing because we think that it's so closely to related to what we look like, but it's really all in our thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I certainly allow myself to feel beautiful when I want to, because I know that's just all produced by me. It doesn't have to come from my husband telling me my, I'm beautiful. It doesn't have to come from society telling me I'm beautiful. I can look in the mirror and think, I feel beautiful today and I look beautiful. And I used to think that that was the goal, but I'm just realizing that that's just such, just so not important, (laughs) not as important, nearly as important as society makes it out to be that we have to love how we look all the time. So I've just come to realize like, I'm so much more interested in how I feel and what kind of a person Mm -hmm. I am on the inside and how I'm serving and those are the things that I'm really focused on. I am just, I just don't think that much about my body anymore where it's crazy. Cause I used to think about it a lot and the size of it. So that's where I am. I'm not like, I don't, like I said, I don't love everything about it, but I don't have to love everything about it. To yeah. Be who, happy. who does love everything about yeah. your body anyways? It's and so think, true. I don't think we're meant to love everything about our bodies. You yeah. Know? I mean, I think part of building that healthy relationship with our body is learning to have grace for the parts we don't love. I mean, kind of like our relationships, you know, like I always say my husband, I've been married to him for 15 years. I love him with all of my heart and soul. And yet there are parts of him. I just don't like (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and he knows it and vice versa. He feels the same about me, but there's beauty in that relationship in learning to love him despite those parts, right? Giving that unconditional love. And it's really just learning to give that to our bodies as well. Yes. And just accepting Mm -hmm. ourselves for where we are and being okay with that. Absolutely. Now, when you work with people, Jenna, how do you help them come to this place? Because I think like, I I think like there's been privilege. There's also dietitian privilege. You know, we've had the privilege of going through school and learning about food and learning about that relationship and like the science part, which is really, really fascinating. Uh And so how do you help clients get to where you've, you are now, you know, in obviously in a short amount of time without becoming a dietitian, without (laughs) going through all the long, painful steps, like how do you help them get there? Yeah. Just tell me a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah. Well, going back to my journey after I had gotten that message of you're focused on the wrong thing, I really took a few months and pondered, what does that mean? And what do I need to focus on then? And it wasn't long after that Christmas was around the corner. And I asked for a book called Atomic Habits, which I'm sure you've heard of. And most of your listeners, it's super popular. It had just barely been published at this point. Like it was actually coming out, like, I think, around December, around Christmas. So I'm like, Oh, I've heard, you know, good things about this book. I'm going to ask for it for Christmas. And I got it and I read it within a week. And I thought this is where I need to put my focus just on my habits, 
on my behaviors. And so that's what I help clients do. After reading that Atomic Habits, I read every other book I could find on habits. And I pulled out all the different little tools and tricks and hacks, I guess, that would help help me create habits in my life. And then I I identified all the habits that I knew brought good health. Mm. And I, again, I wasn't focused on weight. I wasn't looking for things that will help me lose weight. I just wanted to be healthy. Like what is going to help bring me energy and great health? And I kind of combined the two. I determined the habits. I found all the kind of the hacks to get those habits into my life and behaviors. And I just start, got to work. And so that's what I, I help people do. And the funny thing is, I realize now, you know, a lot of times we think of body image and habits or behaviors as kind of two separate things, but they really, to me, go hand in hand because when I'm treating my body well, then I feel better about it no matter how it looks. And when I'm treating my body poorly, then I don't feel as good about it. And mm -hmm. so by improving habits and, and just health in general, that, you know, science, there have been studies that show people that exercise have better body image regardless of their size. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just because they know they're taking care of themselves and they can just be at peace with that. And like I said, that's how I've gotten to the place where I can just be at peace with the size my body wants to be because I know I'm doing all I can to treat it well. And that doesn't mean it looks perfectly. And that doesn't mean that I don't have areas of improvement. And I'm, you know, something I'm constantly working on creating new habits and getting rid of old ones, but just those two things, the treating your body well, really um, goes along with the body image piece. And then on the, uh, on the opposite end, I, I work a lot with thought work as well. Mm -hmm. And thinking kind thoughts about your body makes you want to treat it well. So they go <laughs> together. Yeah. It's a, again, cycle that feeds itself, right? And yes. And I love what you're saying. So you shifted your focus from your weight and using mm -hmm. that as the primary marker of success to just your habits. Like, okay, let me look at how much water I'm actually drinking or how many yes. fruits and veggies or protein. And it's like, let me just focus on that. Yes. And then like you're healthier for that anyways. And so yes. it changes your perception of your body. Now, let me ask you this, Jenna, do you believe that you can love and accept your body while trying to change it? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It's kind of a lot to unpack. I think the short answer is yes, but <laughs> yes, but let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, first of all, um, love and accept, like we've kind of talked about earlier are kind of two different things. Um, I can accept things about my body that I don't necessarily love. Um, my son, my 14 year old, he's almost 14 year old son has type one diabetes and he has accepted that, but he's never going to love that fact. <laughs> it's a hard diagnosis to have. And so there are just things that I don't ever try to love, but when, with the trying to change it part, again, I, I see my body as kind of a separate person. Like we were talking about our husband, your husband, it's kind of the same way. I see my body as a, a separate thing that I don't have complete control over. Now there are things I can do to manipulate it. I can manipulate my husband into doing certain things, but that usually <laughs> comes back to bite me. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> I can, but I can also like suggest things to him, things that I want changed. Like, Hey, do you mind helping out here more or, or changing this? And he may, or he may not, that's kind of out of my control. That's kind of how I see my body. Like I can do things that might influence it. And when I started changing my lifestyle, then I did shrink a little bit. Um, 
but I, I don't have control over that. You know, we can't mm -hmm. like tell ourselves, okay, now drop 10 pounds or lose fat in this area. Like right. we just <laughs> stomach body, gets smaller. <laughs> yes. Now, you know, I can yeah. snap my fingers, but I can't tell my body to, mm -hmm. to do certain things. And so when we talk about changing our bodies, like, yes, we can love our bodies and want them to change, but also just again, knowing where that focus really should be mm -hmm. when we're focused on the weight, when we're focused on the size, I just don't see any good in that because we don't have complete control over that. We need to focus mm -hmm. on things that we can actually control. I love that. Cause what I hear you saying is like, there's opportunity for growth and like finding ways to feel better. Like there's some hope in that. And at the same time, we don't put all of our hope in that. Yes. You know, we don't put all of our markers of success in that because it may or may not happen and yeah. we'll be open to however the cards fall, right? However it yes. plays out. I love that. I love that so much. Cause I think one of the, at least I've noticed when I'm working with people or talking through like body acceptance with clients, there's some of this, like, almost like, do I have to just then resign myself to this for the rest of my life, you know? And I know I'm not the healthiest I could be. So it's almost like yeah. there's this little bit of hopelessness. And so I think it, your answer to me captures like both sides of that where, well, no, like you could mm -hmm find some change that happens in your body that makes you feel better. And at the same time, we're just not putting all of our hope in that. Yeah. Well, and I think when people talk about wanting to change their body, they think what they think they want is the weight loss, but they what they really want is to feel good and mm -hmm. to be loved and respected and worthy and all those things. And, you know, we are not, we are not going to be able to control what other people, how they treat us or, you know, how society views us. But that a lot of that is internal work, like you mm -hmm. talked about, and we can, feel beautiful and feel worthy and feel happy and healthy and energetic without the weight loss. So mm -hmm. when people realize that they're like, okay, well, so I can change. I can get all these things that I really want, even though I thought it was the weight loss I wanted. And mm, so these good. are the things I really want. And I can, those are definitely achievable and completely within our control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that actually, I think shows up in their physical body as well. Like mm -hmm. I'm thinking right now I'm working with this woman who she's doing great in her food freedom journey, but she's, you know, it just keeps going back to that weight. And like, <laughs> she wants to lose weight and the weight's not moving, but she's doing all these amazing things. She started weightlifting and, you know, she's finally starting to let go of the scale and kind of just have practice some acceptance. Well, she went and saw a bunch of girlfriends last weekend and the girlfriends were like, oh my gosh, you look amazing. Her weight <laughs> hasn't changed at all. Uh -huh. She like looks different. And, yeah. you know, I attributed it to the fact that she's exercising. She's hydrating more. That's going to change your skin to like color, right? That's going to mm -hmm. change your energy level and how you interact with people. I'm sure she's got some more muscle tone than she used to have. The actual weight hasn't budged, but so much of her even physical being has changed. And it was just really mm -hmm. cool to see her experience like some of that like positive feedback, some of the stuff she was looking for that she thought was attached to the weight, like you were saying, but yeah. when actually she got all that without even losing any weight. Yeah. Yeah. We just want to feel confident and, mm -hmm. and that comes with, yeah, just treating ourselves well. And that, that shows through that does make us quote, unquote, more, or more quote, attractive to you yeah, know, your, your energy. Yeah. Your yeah. energy, your aura, it's all different based on yeah. how you feel about your body, which, yeah. And, and I love yeah. I really, more than I think, well, I know more than I appreciate people who feel confident in their body that are in smaller bodies. I have a deep respect for women who can come to that place like you 
and feel confident in their body, even when they're in a body that doesn't match cultural definition, cultural definition of beauty, because to me, they are 10 times tenfold more inspiring <laughs> because they've like <laughs> risen and overcome what the world tells them to be. And, you know, I think someone like you who's decided I'm going to post the picture on Instagram, even though I'm going to get so, I, you know, I know people will be making comments or have yes. thoughts about me judgments. Yeah. I just, and at the same time, like, I think you have more of a potential to inspire women than anyone else. So you're doing good, hard work. And I'm so oh, grateful for you, Jenna. Thank you so much. I have to say it is, that was one of the hardest things was post. And I'm not super active on Instagram right now, but I um, was for a little while and I do plan on getting there again, but posting that first picture of like my full body was really hard. But what kind of got me over the hump was I do think that women need to see it. They need, they see mm -hmm. so many images of what health quote looks like and happiness. And, you know, they see people in small bodies who are looking happy all the time and they need to see people in larger bodies who are yes. healthy and happy and get those same, you know, images on that other end so that yes. they feel like it's possible for them too. Yes. I love that. I am so grateful for that. Now tell me just a little bit more about how people who are listening that re resonate with your message, how can they connect with you and how can they learn more about what you do, Jenna? Oh yeah. You can find me all over the place. Um, my website is jennawait.com. I've got a, an online program, helpthroughhabits.com. Um, like I said, I'm a little bit on Instagram at Jenna underscore RD, sorry, Jenna Wait underscore RD. Um, I've got my podcast, Finding True Health is my podcast name. So I'm awesome. kind of all over the place. <laughs> I love it. Well, we'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes for listeners so they can learn more about you and just further connect with you. Because I do think what you have is so powerful. And I'm so grateful God spoke to you there oh. in your bathroom. Because <laughs> I know there is there are so many women that just need to hear that from you. And can you imagine if you hadn't heard that? Like, what a bummer. The world yeah. would have missed out on so much. <laughs> I have Thank one last you. question for you, Jenna. What would, what do you, would you say to someone who is like on the fence about this body acceptance thing? Who's like, I want to be there. Like, I hear you, Jenna. It sounds so freeing. And yet, what if I let myself go? Like, what yeah. if I stop weighing and I gain all the weight? Or what if I try food freedom? And I go crazy on Oreos and I pack on pounds. <laughs> like, what would you say to them if they're on that fence um, to invite them into this journey you've been on? Well, first, I would invite them to just look at what they've been doing and has it been working? How how do they feel? <laughs> you know, what has it done for their life? The the weight obsession, the focusing on the weight is it is it leading to health and happiness? And if not, then I would invite and present that there is another way. And yes, some people might gain some weight when they start treating their bodies well and actually feeding them. And it depends on, you know, some people might lose weight. Some people might gain weight. Some people might stay the same. So it's really hard to say, but I want to emphasize that society has just been lying to us. <laughs> it's not true that you can't be in a large body and happy at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely hundred percent possible. And I'm not going to say it's easy. And every single day is a cakewalk and you know, you're not going to have ups and downs, but if what you're doing right now, isn't leading you to health and happiness, then 
why not try a different way and give it a shot? And especially if you pair again, the, the, to me, body love means treating my body well. And so if they're worried, they're just going to be eating Oreos all day and, you know, not treating their body well, then that's not body love. <laughs> mm -hmm. And for some people, there needs to be a period of that. If they've been restricting some, the pendulum needs to swing a little further the other way sometimes. And, but that's a brief period that doesn't need to be the rest of their lives. So just knowing that accepting and loving your body also means treating it well and doing health promoting behaviors that are going to make you feel great. So good, Jenna. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for your time today and coming on and just sharing your story, your journey. It's one that I know so many are going to benefit from and need to hear. And I'm just really grateful for you coming on today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jess. This was so fun. And I really do hope that it encourages other women to just love and accept themselves and to know that there is hope and that happiness can exist in a larger body. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you like today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, leave a review and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome, Food Foundations, my 10-step ebook on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.